The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. is going on baseball world this is kyle brown coming at you on the on the farm podcast on the pitchless podcast network i have my friend and cohort travis Shear on how you doing tonight travis i'm doing great how are you man i'm doing pretty good we got uh we got real baseball real baseball yeah. i mean real baseball like <laughs> you know i mean it's well, let's be honest. It's spring training real baseball, but I am eating it up like a Ben and Jerry's pint, sir. Hey, I think I saw Tatis. Uh, I think I saw a video on, on Twitter of Tatis hitting stickball a week ago, and that was just about all I needed to get to this point. So I am going to need you to share that with me immediately. After I will crush some stickball thing. I mean, like I grew up, I'm on the West Coast, so stickball isn't really a thing, but like it looked pretty good to me. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, I have attempted to play some stickball. Uh, it's harder. Let me tell you, it's definitely harder. I prefer the uh, I definitely prefer the giant plastic bat. That's sort of my that's my wheelhouse. The one yeah. the one that's like that's like uh, like a novelty color like red. Yeah, and, uh, and and can absolutely just crush things. Also makes that huge hollow sound. Oh, it's the sound. Yeah, I like a yeah. lime green. I favor a lime green bat. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then. Oh yeah. Let it, let it rain. Let me get in a nice echoey space so that whenever I do connect, even if it's poor connection, it just sounds like, you know, ding dong. It's, it feels like it's real draft season. I got some first, first year player drafts going on. I'm pretty pleased with how this one is going. I got my boy, Nick Gonzalez went full Homer paid up for him in the auction. And then I did that thing. I don't know if this happens to you, but you're talking to one of your fantasy baseball dudes and you're like, okay, yeah, this is my plan. I'm not doing this. I'm not taking prep arms. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. And then like two days later, Hey, so remember, um, now I have seven prep arms and, uh, and five and five prep bats. And I don't know how that happened. Uh, I don't know what happened to my plan. All the college guys are gone. Well, you just, uh, you know, you, uh, they all look so good after a while, right? All the, all the prep guys, all you hear is how, how great everybody, how great everybody looks. And especially especially prep guys you're just like oh yeah and he came back and he's uh, and he's up to 95 now you're like really because he was like 10 10 miles an hour slower than that before and you saying that he that he uh he pitched two innings and he hit 95 in one of the innings all right i'll take him <laughs> yeah done sign me up it's over all i need to know 
<laughs> he's good for 150 just like that every year. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be a fast mover. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm interested to I don't, you know, you play in, in some leagues that I don't mess around with yet, other than a little bit of that prospects live best ball stuff. You do, you do the open universe. How do what is a draft like in your open universe leagues? Like what is what what are the rules? What are what are sort of the parameters of that world? The rules are really there are no rules. <laughs> you can trade picks years in advance. You can you can do you can do like you can sell out to win now. You can you can sell out to rebuild. You can you can sell you can trade your 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 picks in like a free agent and and like a and like a waiver wire priority. A lot of leagues that I'm in, everything is negotiable, and you can pick kids who are 14 years old and hold on to them. I'm in one of my leagues. The oldest league I'm in is 21 years old now, and I remember picking Gary Sanchez in that league when he was 14 years old. And, and, and just waiting. <laughs> wow. And are the rosters unlimited? Like, is it just, you know, farm doesn't have a cap? Uh, minor league rosters are unlimited. As long as you, uh, as long as you pick the guys in the draft, you can't just pick them up and add them. Yeah. We had a, I've had some leagues where you could just pick guys up whenever, and it sort of led to chaos and a lot yeah. of weird valuations. It wasn't, they had to be affiliated. So it wasn't as open as what you're talking about, but man, that's interesting. I, I, would not have been able to find people to be in a league like that with me up until very recently, I would say. It, uh, it all started in college. It was kind of a gradual progression thing where we did like one year was just a normal, a normal redraft league. The next year you kept two people. The next year you kept five people. The next year we just decided to keep everybody. And then after that, it started to be in the minor leagues. I think by the sixth year, it was full blown open universe. Wow. Whatever you want. I'm usually the I'm usually the one who's who's ahead of most people when it comes to finding a new market. Like nobody in the league really paid attention to to the Japanese league until I picked Otani when he was the year he was drafted in the NPB. That kind of opened everyone's eyes, and that's usually how it goes. I mean, if you are if you are if you're scouring fourteen year olds and other guys are I don't know walking their dogs and uh, shoving their 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 walks then, you know, they're, they're going to be dead in the water for sure. That's, that's wild, man. Yeah. It's, it feels sort of, I remember that first time that I, that I drafted a kid that was born, you know, after the year 2000. Yeah. And that was so long ago for you. I mean, that was, that's like old news. Oh yeah. Give me a break. That's, that's years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think I, I think I, I didn't have any kids when I did that first time. So uh, that's, I'm two kids. I'm two kids into this. Yeah. Well, you adopted some 14 year olds. That's for sure. Yeah. I, uh, well, we got some, we got some, we'll get the, we'll get the bad news out of the way first. Well, I mean, bad, I don't know. I'm curious as your take on it. We got the delay of the triple a season by a month this week. Uh, you've, does that change anything for you? Is that just sort of like, well, whatever, we'll just deal with it. Or, and, you know, in terms of how you're playing or how you're thinking about any players, did that, did that disrupt anything for you? Uh, I found it to be, I mean, like we kind of, a lot of people guessed that this was going to happen. Obviously, I mean, like they say it's they're saying it's because of COVID and I totally understand it. But I mean, like a lot of it has to do also with just hopefully being able to get fans right to minor league games. That's part of it. Uh, what I find it to be very interesting for is um, players who are on the cusp, prospects who are on the cusp. Uh, now, I live in Seattle and you can imagine what this has stirred for the the uh, clinic market over here. Now everyone's talking about 
because of the because of the uh, the remarks made by the uh, by the the former president, he was already in the spotlight about whether or not they were going to the Mariners were going to actually bring him up or try to manipulate his service time. Now that's kind of just gone into full blown hysteria. Essentially, what are you going to do? You're going to drop him down to double A, where we all know he's going to be the best player in probably double A. Franco now is, in, is going to be double A, but he so but we he will all we all know he's going to be maybe the second best player in double A. So is it really? Are you really going to do that? Or are you going to just bring him up? I mean, I'm kind of for Kalenic. I'm more on the, more bullish that he'll start the season with the Mariners now because of this. I think that they're under too much pressure. From for normal for like most other prospects around the cusp, I don't think it necessarily means as much because there's just not as much spotlight on him as this one particular prospect. I feel as though obviously the service time thing is is a concern and you you want to keep him for the years and all that stuff. But at the same time, you have an opportunity, you know, because let's say Wander doesn't start with the with the with the big club. You have an opportunity to just sort of have all eyes on you in a positive way after all of this horrific negativity that came out of. um, Also, I was just shocked to find that Rotary Clubs are a thing. I, you know, this is something that I assumed only lived in movies in the 60s and 70s. I believe it was a part of Catch Me If You Can. Their Elk Club are still a thing, too. (laughs) Wow. Man. You just blow your mind here. Seriously, I just, you know, the idea that I just I thought it was from the onion when I first heard it. I was like, oh, the Rotary Club. Yes, this sounds like a satirical websites production for sure. But no, it was real life. It was real life. Yeah, I I'm tend to, I tend to agree with you that it definitely presents a very interesting opportunity for the Mariners. And I think I just think they should. I mean, not just a fan, but I just think they should do it. I just think they should they should they should really bring them up and let him roll. I mean, he hit a home run today, spring training, all that stuff, but he's been very good so far, so far in just a few games. I also think that he's made comments now about how he's frustrated. His agent has too. he's made them through his agent and he's made them personally with two reporters about how he's not happy with the situation. I think if you want any possibility of signing him in the future, you should do it. So we've all seen with Chris Bryant that this, that these things can linger. Absolutely. And there's just no reason to, I mean, you can, if you, if you play it right, you can actually get quite a team friendly deal as much as the total price tag might seem high. I mean, the Tatis deal in a lot of ways is team friendly. Definitely is. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of money. Um, 340 million is a lot, but when you sort of break it down and it's in its nitty gritty, especially by the time that thing is over, you know, what he's making per year, just do it. Just, just, just pay your stars, lock it up. You know, especially with the way that free agency is going now, I don't know. Just don't don't make those kids mad. It's just such a silly way to play things. Don't make those kids mad. They will be so much better for you if they are happy and usher in just an an absolute tidal wave of wins for a decade in in Seattle. A guy like Tatis, I mean, like he's already outperforming what that contract number would be um, in terms of, in terms of generating wins. So what does it really matter at that point? If you're paying it, so you're what you're paying him at early and he's still a discount. Even right now, he's still, a, he, even if you're paying him 23 million this year, he would be a discount of 23 million. Absolutely. And then, you know, he does, and then it's star power. It's also, there's, there's an, there's an ability to recoup that in other ways because right. of the, you know, just the marketability of players. And I think we've certainly seen from, from from Kalenic and Julio and even Noel Marte, like they're ready to 
to be the face. They're ready to be, you know, on, I don't know, in, in a way that like a, a guy like Mike Trout has not been. Uh, and granted, he hasn't been marketed properly or at all. Yeah. But he also doesn't seem that interested in it in the way that these these young guys are, especially like a guy like Tatis. Trout is, is too is too interested in just being the best player in the league. <laughs> I can't I can't hate on that too much, right? Like, right? Oh. like I'm like I don't I mean like I totally understand. I almost would probably be the same way. Just like I would rather maybe be the best player ever. I'll just focus on that. Yeah. And then if who cares if I don't have 60 million Twitter followers. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep crushing. I'm going to keep trying to do better. You'll never see me because I'm in the gym. Yeah. And then, and then in 30 years, I'm going to be like, everybody be like, how, how, why did you guys actually not spend more time watching Mike Trout when you had Mike Trout? <laughs> Who cares if he didn't, what he didn't, what he did not say after a game. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I have, uh, I've certainly been keeping tabs on the very, very early spring training stuff that's going on. Yeah. And there's a couple of, I don't know, what do you, what's your general take on what, what to do with spring training? You know, obviously it's a, it's the season of overreactions. It's the season of, oh, this guy did one thing one time. It's exactly what we were talking about with the prep arms, how they hit 95 and two innings and everyone freak out. But I'm curious, what, what's your general take on how you approach spring training and the information, or I guess we'll call it information, but how do you approach it? Once they start cutting down guys, I think I pay more attention. I mean, like I'm still watching games and stuff, but I will spend, I will look into it more once they kind of start to thin out who is going to be playing against the top competition, right? You actually start seeing major league pitchers against mostly major league batters. And I think that's, that's the first rule for me when it comes to like prospects, especially pitching prospects, watching uh, the control is a big one. And, you know, like right now, for example, Casey Mize, you know, had, didn't look all that great in his first outing. He struggled with control like he did it, like he did during his debut. I mean, like that's that's sort of to be expected right in your first in your first spring training when you're when you're a young guy. So, I mean, like I'm not writing him off for this year or anything, but uh, that is something I will definitely be paying attention every time I watch him in spring training, because I mean, once it's not a pattern. Right. But then. We have two or if he starts going four innings and he's walking four guys and he's going five innings and walking three guys start to, you gotta, you gotta start worrying about it. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, that, that the crispness or how crispy a pitcher is, is, is definitely something I guess sort of to that end. I know that you were high on Hunter green. Yeah. uh, Sort of coming in. How, how are you taking his, uh, Granted, right. We, we didn't get much, but how are you taking what, what, what went down? No, I'm not, I'm not really all that. I, it hasn't really changed what I think about him at all. I still am very high on him. Um, the velocity's back. That was obvious. Everyone made a, made a, uh, or made note of how many times he went over a hundred. The, the, the off speed stuff didn't look great. And that was kind of the book on him before he got hurt. But then again, we're talking about a kid who's, I think, what is he, 20 now, who has, hasn't has really thrown a, a professional pitch in two years. I'm not, what I want to see is when he starts throwing against guys who are in, in the high A, double A system. Like spring training is not something for Hunter Green that I'm, I mean, like if he came out and, and looked like, and had like a Henry Rowan Gardner type, like transformation, fantastic, right? That's great. I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. But that's that's also because 
we kind of expect him to have a uh, some sort of natural progression if there's one at all. I mean, like the first step was that he had the velocity and it's great that it's back and the mechanics look decent and he looked as athletic as he did before. That's a good, that's a good start. I think when I, I think I saw something about his start somewhere on Twitter, somebody posted that the only hard contact anybody had on him was, his, was his, uh, his off-speed pitches, which is, which is a good, which is also a good sign. I mean, like we knew that his, the new, we knew that his off-speed pitches were weak, but we also know that his fastball can be a little straight. And if that, is more of a weapon than we think it is. That's also a good sign. It's just too early, you know, yeah. in, the, in the whole process to really get too, I don't know, to, to, to fall into despair uh, when it comes to, you know, what happened. Cause he, he wasn't super sharp, but like you said, I mean, he threw some pitches obviously last year at the alternate training site, the Cincinnati pitching development system has, there's a lot of fruits of their good labor uh, pitching right now in, in Cincinnati and so it's, I think it's easy and too quick to say, well, they should have been, you know, he threw whatever, 70 plus pitches last year at the alternate training site and in sort of all over instructional league, all those, all the other areas that pitching was happening that was not in the major leagues. He's working his way back from injury. I don't necessarily think that as good as the, the Cincinnati, you know, pitching system and development team is, it's not a magic button. You know, it's not, it's not something where, oh, well, you're at Cincinnati, so you automatically become better because they give you one sheet of data and you're cured of all your pitching woes, right? That's not how it works. So, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, it's definitely one I'm watching over the course of the, the spring. I want to see him, you know, a couple more times. Then I want to see, yeah, how he handles a more regular minor league situation, I guess I'll say. Yeah, we also have to remember about Green that he was a project coming in. I mean... Nobody by any stretch thought that he was anywhere near being a finished project um, when he was drafted. I mean, like that's just how high school arms are. And he was no, he's no different than most high school arms. I mean, like he's throws it harder, uh, but that's really about it. There are guys who threw, who don't throw as hard, who had better secondary stuff. I mean, like he was on a track to be a four, a four to five year minor league guy anyway. I mean, like, especially if you were hoping that he would become you know, a frontline starter that just does not happen overnight with a guy who with the, with the raw tools that he has, that happens, that happens in a three to four year period at the earliest. And when it, when it is somehow off of that trajectory, it's a situation that can never be, you just can't count on anything like that. You know, a, a, a prep pitcher making it up in 1920 and just being great. It's just, right. yeah. It's such a rarity. I mean, I don't know. It's like Dwight Gooden, I guess, would be maybe the last one that I could even think of. Uh, that. Jose Fernandez is the last one. That's true. Yeah, that is true. He was he was, re- he was crazy good, but um, there aren't that many. Yeah, I mean, like that's why that's kind of what is kind of a little crazy about Gore. Gore is definitely ahead of schedule for a prep league pitcher, right? Even now, even if he gets brought up now, he'll probably I would say he's maybe a year ahead of most prep league pitchers that that are taken in the first round, even. We're talking about the, the very, like the very top 1%. He's ahead of them. Yeah. So that is definitely saying something. I, I've watched some Gore starts too. I, I, I guess I'm just, I'm very curious. I really just want to get to the season, obviously, because I want real baseball, but I just want to see how San Diego plays their cards. You know what I mean? They have so many and the Dodgers as well. I feel like I generally, I don't know, annoyed with how the Dodgers run their team because it a is very bad for my fantasy teams usually. And B yeah. you just, there's something in my soul that is hurt when a, when a player who's talented, like can't get on the field, you know, they're just, 
stuck as a backup or they're stuck in the bullpen like Tony Gonsolin this year, you know, yeah. something like that. You just feel Where, like there's wasted talent. I agree. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's just tough to watch sometimes. Um, but now we have a team that's trying to sort of compete with them uh, that, you know, in, in the Padres. And I, I'm just excited because that's going to make, that's going to make each team do other things, right? Like if, if the Padres don't do any of the things they did this off season, if they maybe make, I don't know, they do half or a third of their moves, do the Dodgers sign Trevor Bauer? I, I, yeah, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. And so that to me, like that now is, is interesting to me, the chess game of the, of the elites, right? Like the yeah. chess game of who can stack the most, who can just have the deepest farm, the deepest, the deepest pitching staff, who can, it's going to be fun. So that, yeah, up, up until, I mean, I, I can't wait till the Dodgers lose their, their record of, of winning divisions in a row. It's going to be epic. And I hope it comes down to the last game of the season against the Padres. I mean, if I was the commissioner, I would have definitely just juiced that. I just made them play. Oh, you're playing the last 10 games of the season against each other. That's crazy. I don't know how. Not, yeah. <laughs> randomized. It's randomized. It's like, it's really cool. It's kind of like um, the Red Sox-Yankees feud of 20 years ago, but it's like 2.0 because the Red Sox-Yankees feud wasn't about minor league systems at all. It was about who you can get payroll-wise and how you can stack those lineups and those staffs. But we didn't care about who we had beneath those guys. If we got somebody, great. But it, but now it's like it's trying to go deeper in that, and it's trying to make it last longer than that. It's like it's a smarter way of doing it, which is which is kind of exciting. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely fun. I mean, I am happy I live uh, in a time zone that is near to the West Coast because I enjoy my my late night baseball. And usually, you know, I, I remember when I first started doing that, I would watch the Diamondbacks games, and <laughs> Mark Grace would would be calling those games. Yes. That, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure. Oh, I have. He's I mean, robust. He's yeah, that's to say the least. Every <laughs> single time a pitcher would throw a fastball, there'd just yes. be a, a little pregnant pause and then gas. Gas. Yeah. Gas. I, he's, he's throwing gas. Which is and, totally I remember hearing that for the first time and being completely blown away because that was didn't seem like the type of player he was at all. He seemed like kind of a soft spoken type dude. Not the case. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely a good old boy for sure. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, let's, uh, uh, we got some early returns, very, very early returns. No yeah. one freak out when it comes to this, but I wanted to highlight a few prospects, uh, that have come out of the gate hot. The first one, uh, is, is Bobby Dalbeck yeah. for, the, for the Red Sox. He is four for eight and he's hit three home runs already. Were you in on Dalbeck this year? Were you out? This is not your flavor. What's what's your take on him? Generally, not my type of guy. Um, I I see like his ceiling as being say he is he does end up being what we all hope or what especially Red Sox fans hope he's going to be. That's a guy that doesn't hit for a great average but hits a bunch of homers. There's a lot of third basemen that are like that. Um, and now he obviously could end up being better than that and make more contact. Um, but I just. I tend to stay away from those guys just because they're so they come along so often. They do. It does seem like you can find every year. I mean, there's like a, the Cole Calhoun, CJ Cron type that just sort of, you know, you're almost your Kyle Schwarber yeah. you know, type of thing. You know, that said, I do. He is surprising me a little bit. You know, I was definitely out on Dalbeck because I don't like that profile of player at all. And one of the reasons I don't like it is because they tend to also be taken out if they in, in their, in, if they're struggling, right. Like they don't, sure. they, their yeah. leash is not nearly as long as, as someone who 
And I don't know what it is, but they all that profile also seems to go hand in hand with just poor defense as well. Generally, yes. Yeah, I don't know why, but it just something about it, uh, something in the air, I guess. But that's so you combine that, and then when it's when it's bad for that profile, it's very bad. Uh, they just tend to get yanked a little bit, or lose their job, or get traded, or get DFA'd, or whatever it is. Dullback is sort of not that's not really something he has to worry about this year for the most part. It seems like oh. he's he's pretty locked in. He's pretty locked in and he could, he could give him a full year. You sure. know, I mean, like, it seems like he's going to provide you with power no matter what. So he's worth a, he's worth a flyer. That's for sure. Yeah. And then another person for, uh, for the Sox that has been showing solid stuff so far is a uh, uh, Duran Duran. No, no, I'm sorry. Duran uh, Duran. I won't ever Duran be able Duran. to say it. Yeah. But he is just Duran Duran to, to me and my friends. Cause it's, it's just too easy. <laughs> but he's uh he started three for seven with a home run and a double and he's just he's looked i don't know he's looked really solid at the plate it seems like that swing change that he he's made uh in the last year and a half or so is there and he's yeah. he's doing damage so i don't know i'm starting to feel like the red Sox are closer than everyone thinks and they're not close this year that's not happening but the pitching is always the is always the uh the question mark with the red Sox. i mean because they don't really develop their own pitching if you look back John Lester was like really the only pitcher they've kind of developed in the last 20 years. But like, but uh, yeah, I think they are closer. I mean, I like Verdugo. I think he's, I think he's going to be a solid major leaguer. They've got some guys out. They've got some guys that are coming, that are coming into, and they've made pretty decent picks in the last couple of years. I don't, I don't see any real reason why they won't be in the mix, especially if they do start to spend money again at some point. Right. Yeah. Give it a little bit of time for, for some of these bets to come up and then see what you can see what you can buy on the pitching market, which will cost a pretty penny and probably at the end of the day, total up to more than Mookie bets, but yep. <laughs> now I'm curious. I just want, I can't remember if we, if we talked about this before, are you actually a Mariners fan? Is that are you full on Mariners fan or what is your fandom? Do you have a fandom? I, I mean, like I want to be a Mariners fan, but it's just, it's so hard to be a fan of an organization that might be the worst in the league when it comes to decision-making, I mean, like there obviously are when it comes to, when it comes to performance, right. That the only, they think that the only team to never made a world series, they haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. Like it's just hard to, to stay a fan. And I, if you want to call me a fair weather fan, I'm totally fine with that. I also think that organizations owe things to their fans. So it's hard for me to, I mean, like, I really want to see them win. Like I'm not one of those people that, that likes to, you know, that the roots for other teams outside of outside of my hometown just to do that. I generally like to go. I like to follow teams that that make smart decisions. That's hard with it when it comes to the Mariners. <laughs> Dude, I mean, you're talking to a Pirates fan, so I know yeah, I know what you're you talking, know what about. talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. 19 years. I'm like, yeah, talk to me in seven years. For the longest time, I would, you know, I would follow what the Pirates were doing in the offseason and I would watch what the Oakland A's were doing in the offseason. And right. every yeah. single time the Oakland days made a move, I was like, yeah, that would be perfect for the pirates. That guy is perfect. Bring him in for half a, half a loaf of bread yeah, and bring him on to the, like the, every single move they did was just one of those little teenies. I mean, it's the Oakland days, right? They do what they do, but every, I mean, and it actually starting to feel a little bit like the pirates this year were making some of those moves with like bringing in just like a Brian Goodwin. Okay. And like Brian Good was not lighting anything on fire. Don't get me wrong, but he's not incompetent, right? Like giving giving Todd Frazier a minor league deal. Yeah, bring him in. See what's yeah. yeah. Give him give him some at bats. Don't rush anything in the in the minor leagues. 
you know, but all just the little moves we've, the, the trades we've made, it seems like, like getting a, a Yuhure in the, in the Tyone deal. And, and I don't know, I'm just, it seems like there's an eye towards what's coming down and there's an actual plan, but I, I, I agree, man. I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for everything to coalesce so I can finally get back to the playoffs and hopefully not lose in the wildcard game again. It, and they made, they made at least two very good first round draft picks in the last two years, which is hard to do. It's harder than you think. It's like, no, it looks like Priester is going to be pretty good. And yeah. I don't see any reason why Nick Gonzalez won't be fantastic. I really like him. I watched him a lot in college. He's fun to watch. I mean, like anybody's fun to watch in that environment, but uh, at, uh, at uh, New Mexico State, but yeah. he's really fun to watch. Yeah, I, I definitely am. I'm all in on, on, on Mr. Nick Gonzalez for sure. And I even like one thing about Priester. I love, I love all the games. Priester was a guy who he's cold weather. Yeah. And he didn't have a pitching coach in high school. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he had a coach because he was on a team, right? Like that happened. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't, he wasn't, he didn't come from some program that had like a couple of people that were dedicated to the baseball team. He didn't have, like, he's just YouTubing stuff and yeah. trying to figure it out on his own. And he was able to get to the first round with that as his methodology. And he had like the best curveball maybe in the whole draft. Pretty amazing. As much as I'm, shocked because you know that kind of games all at once that quickly especially without being able to play for a full season you know is and I you know obviously we need to see it in the minors to really see how it plays in in real time but to know that those are all coming out of that natural ability with you know almost as little coaching as you can find when it comes to players it's awesome to see that the pirates were actually able to bring a lot of that out of him even if the rumored games are only in real life, 60% of, of the rumors, right? It's still, he's really pushed himself. He's really pushed himself into the conversation for, I think he's going to, you know, really start rocketing up lists. And if this year goes well in the minors and he's dominant, uh, good luck, good luck in them. And I think we'll, we'll yeah. see him, you know, in a few years, but yeah, um, they've, they've made some good picks. They've definitely made some good picks. Yeah. I think he's kind of on the Grayson Rodriguez path. seems like to me. So oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Grayson is ridiculous. That whatever's happening in Baltimore, I've been watching a lot of Baltimore because I don't know. I've just been curious about a lot of their players. Yes. Uh, the DL. younger ones. The yeah. Younger ones. Oh, definitely. Definitely <laughs> the younger ones. Oh yeah. Definitely the younger ones. I'm not interested in anyone on the current roster, maybe except for Ryan Mountcastle, but yeah, they, and they, they've had some good drafts as well though. The Orioles yeah, have. Yeah, they have. They've done pretty well. I can't even, I have to save it for next week because I'm about to, I'm about to post up one of my guys in the auction for, for the Orioles. And I don't know if anyone listens to this pod, but I'm not giving it away. Okay. He's an Oriole. That's all <laughs> I'll say. And uh, a couple other, a couple other people who have come out of the gate, super hot, uh, Gabriel Arias for the Indian, I'm sorry, for the Cleveland baseball team. He came over from the Padres in one of those many deals. And, you know, he has sort of maybe untapped hitting potential. He started five for five. I don't hate that. The more interesting one I think though, is, uh, is Andres Jimenez. Cause I think, um, today, I think, yeah. And he, he's, he's four for four with a triple and a home run yeah. and he, you know, he's really playing for why am I getting, going back to the minor leagues. And I, that to me, that's really the kind of storyline that I'm looking at when I'm looking at spring training is who are the guys that are quote unquote on the cusp, but maybe shouldn't be, hmm. you know, you know, the guys that are, if they don't do well, 
someone in that organization is, you know, sort of, I told you so in, you know, in some front office somewhere like, oh yeah, he's not ready. I told you or whatever. Yeah. And so it's not quite, Hey, I'm trying to hit my way onto the team. Cause I'm a young upstart prospect. It's very much like, no, I came up last year. I was good in the major leagues. I helped my team. We didn't make it to the playoffs. And then I was traded to a different situation where you're going to try to manipulate my service time, but I'm very clearly ready and yeah. you can find a spot for me. And so if him, you know, if, if he continues to hit for the spring, and he's he's sort of an interesting power speed guy as well, yeah. like you know, a light, you know. He's an interesting speed guy. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean. that's true. I guess anyone with speed who hits more than five home runs, I'm like, well, he's you know, he's chipping in, he's chipping <laughs> in. I guess I was surprised to see how many. I mean, I think over a full season he can get into double digits, so he's never going to crack twenty. Yeah, he makes enough contact that that's a thing, probably. I'm going to keep my a close eye on that one as well. Gavin Lux started three for five, but then I also saw something very earlier. Uh, well, not very earlier, about an hour ago. I saw something that said, we don't know when he's going to start. And I think it was Jeff Zimmerman who tweeted that like he might sit against right-handers or left-handers. So it's just one of those totally enigmatic statements that you don't understand. And, you know, I, I had sort of penciled him in as a second baseman this year, but I guess maybe I'm backing off that. What do you think about the Lux situation? They made comments about that earlier than before before they even reported that not to not to necessarily expect Lux in the, in the uh, in the starting lineup. So to me, I mean, like, and it all kind of comes back to you know whether or not he can actually field. I mean, I think that's the question right now with him. I don't think that they're worried about his bat. I think that they're worried about whether or not he can throw the ball to first base, and that's really the thing. Wow, that's saying something considering that he's going to play second base. Yeah. It's literally the shortest throw in the entire game of baseball. It's, it sounds like he has he has issues with uh, he has he has the Chuck Knobloch's right now. Oh man! What I've heard, so interesting, and that's okay. also why there's a lot of talk about him eventually going to the outfield. They're at they, it started like I don't know early last year around this time about him not maybe not being a second baseman when it when it was all said and done. He's just one I just want to see, though. You know, that's another one yeah. of those. Obviously, if you can't field, that's a that's an issue. And I think it's obviously some fantasy guys tend to forget about. But it, it's, you know, it's huge in situations like this because it can get you on the field. It can get you called up sooner uh, in, in your in your development track if you can handle defensively. We're probably going to see a guy like Ed Howard come up. And then it's also something to factor in when you're thinking about debuts and how people are going to play when they get to the major leagues. You know, I'm sure that there's someone out there who's got Ed Howard on their on their team, just got him in the first year player draft, super excited. Maybe he comes up to the major leagues when he's 2021 20, simply because he could add value defensively. Right. Yeah. But his but his bat is two years away and he needs the reps. And so he's he's a late bloomer when it comes to that, but he's starting every single day. So it's you can't discount defense entirely. You can't keep no. it off your radar entirely. That's a hard thing too. I mean, like there, there are other notable things. I mean, it can run defense can run either way too, especially if the bat is so much farther ahead in the defense, even if the defense is okay, it can affect whether or not he, that player ends up playing the position you hope they're going to play. Like with Lux, same thing happened with Kyle Schwarber, right? Like there's still there. I think I bet there are still people in the Cubs organization that believe that he could have been a catcher if they, if they would have given him more time. And maybe that slimmed down version of him that they didn't see until, you know, he was already an outfielder for a year and a half. Maybe that was more in the line of that. Who knows? But like defense, it, whether or not they can play the position you want them to play is actually very important. I feel like in dynasty. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I've been 
you know, I got my, uh, my baseball America prospect handbook, which is a, a yearly rite of passage for me. And, uh, I've just been tearing it apart, but more so than, than before, I'm just sort of making notes of, Oh, this guy, you know, can stick at the position. You know what I mean? This guy's going to stick in the infield. This guy can't, this guy has, yeah. you know, like Seth beer is a great example. Yeah. Uh, he just, I, I, and I think I've heard this story maybe two or three times from Matt Thompson at prospects live, how he literally just lost his way on like a teeny little pop-up to first base. It's mind blowing to me said the Seth beer situation. I mean, I've been, I was watching him in college and he was, you know, like he's an athlete. He's not, it's not like he isn't, he was, he was a really good swimmer, you know, like he can actually do things. I just don't get how it does not translate at all to fielding. <laughs> I just it, don't understand it. <laughs> it maybe it's something that has to do with uh, you know, with okay, this is what I need to do with the plate. This is like my zone. I control it. It's it's not it, nothing. The guy's throwing from you know from the same distance every single pitch, and with swimming as well, right? Like there's my lane. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to conquer. I mean, I was a swimmer. I don't want to discount swimming. It's very very difficult. Yeah. Uh, to 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 swim at a high level, but but it's also like. You know, it's a little bit everything. Everything's right in front of you. There's not going to be there's not going to be, I guess, for lack of a better term, a curveball thrown when you're swimming down the lane. True. It you don't do as much improv in swimming. The one thing that like I do like about hearing a guy that is like a swimmer or a guy like Mookie Betts when he was coming out that he was a great, fantastic bowler is the ability to to repeat emotion. If you're if you're exceptional at that in any other sport, there is a good chance you might be decent in at the plate or on the mound in baseball. Yep. I was recently having to talk with my buddies because uh, I fancied myself quite a good bowler for a while. And, uh, you know, I, I tossed in my average when I was in the league, which was it's nothing special. It was 175. And this is my golf group. And we have a guy who's just ridiculous at golf. And he chimes in like, yeah, I was I was 212. And I was like, yeah, of course you were, because you're a scratch golfer and I hate you. And you're never invited to any of my parties ever again. Uh, well, I guess to that end, uh, I've been watching a lot of college as well uh, and thinking about the future future and for you, the now, because you're playing in all these open universes and you probably drafted all these guys yeah. right, right out of the womb. You might even hold their birth certificates. But yeah, I, who have you been uh, who have you been watching outside of Kumar Rocker and, uh, and Jack Leiter in the college that's been impressing you? So there's one guy I want to talk about before we go on to the college, and that is um, Andrew Vaughn. Oh, so I don't know if you've seen what he's been doing, but he's got a home run and he's hitting and he's hit, making contact. I think he's he's probably like three for eight or something like that. But he also has three walks, no strikeouts like the all the positive signs for everything we know about Andrew Vaughn are come are are in full display right now. So if you actually if you want to watch any prospect hit because you think they might be worth something in 2021 watch Andrew Vaughn because he just looks like he's comfortable and he is, he is on the same level as a lot of the, as every other major leaguer. He looks great. Yeah. I've seen some highlights. I haven't been able to check in and like, you know, watch a full at bat or, or really get him during the game. I, I have seen the, the highlights though. And that's, that's certainly one to keep a very close eye on because he should, well, I guess what's your take? You think he's going to start the season with the team? Are they going to continue to control him? Or are they just going to be all in this year? I think he starts at DH. To be honest, they're already laying the groundwork for that, like like they've done in the past with guys. They've already started talking about how you know you might see him and you might see him in the starting lineup, and oh, he looks he looks really good. They've they've been talking about him for the last month or so since before guys reported about kind of like if it's kind of like if it happens, it's not a surprise because they have. I haven't seen a single guy, a single 
uh, person talk about him like, you know, we'll wait and see. It's all it's always been he it's up to him and he has a good chance and you might see him. So I think I think he starts, especially if he's if he continues to hit anything like or or provide the at bat the quality of bats that he's providing already. There's no reason not to. And he doesn't have to worry about that defense if he's going to DH. Exactly. Yeah, he's got he's got one year probably or two years with the Brew. He can just kind of hang out and then if they need him at first base, goes to first base afterward. Yeah, and we'll we'll see what happens with the Brayu too, because he unfortunately went down with the uh, with the COVID nineteen. So we will oh, yeah, see yeah. we'll see how he recovers from that and and what that does for for what's going on with the White Sox. That's good to highlight though, because he he's someone that I as recently as I think last pod was like maybe he's getting pushed too soon, and early returns on that are I am wrong. Yeah, he looks good. I I and I just really enjoy watching from because I I was watching him in, at California when he was uh, when he was a uh, at the end of his freshman year. And uh, he's just a lot of fun to watch. He's one yeah. of those guys that is doing things you can't tell he's doing. What do you mean by that? Well, you can like, it's something you have to watch a lot of. Like you can watch 10, 10 at bats of, of a hitter, even a college hitter. And you can't, if they're, if they're exceptional, you can't tell necessarily that they're what they're doing in certain counts with certain pit locations. You have to watch them a lot. And Andrew Vaughn's one of those type of guys that you have, if you watch like a hundred times, you start to realize that, there are just areas around the strike zone. He does not swing at in certain counts because he knows that he can make harder contact later. And you don't see that in college hardly ever. Mm -hmm. Guys are just still trying to figure out how to make contact really. And how to make it, how to make hard contact all as often as they can. They're not, they're not deciding not to swing at this pitch. That's low and away in the zone. That's in the zone just because maybe in two pitches later they'll get one that's that's uh middle in or they'll get something that is a little bit closer or they'll, or they'll get the type of uh this the uh the type of curveball that this pitcher happens to throw away and they can just crush like it's just it's just he's just on a different level yeah that is something that i've noticed i i recently you know the college watching college baseball is not something that i had done a lot of previously and i really have been doing a lot more this year because it's super exciting and i'm starved for baseball and and all these things and i just want to to, you know to be the best sort of evaluator and analyst that i can so so watching that in real time and they're just they're exciting man they're more they're a lot more exciting than you know spring training games where and hey i think all these new rules where if we just threw enough pitches so let's just switch it out and let's end after seven innings like this is all great spring training to me is not about winning games yeah and the the sort of leaning into that aspect of it like no well, this is a showcase this is to gear up for the season let's not worry about extras let's not worry about nine innings let's not worry like well, we didn't get three outs okay well we're not going to pitch 70 pitches this time because that's just this is not a real baseball game I agree. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. So I've really been enjoying watching a lot of the college because they're playing with just an incredible amount of emotion, which I think speaks to, you know, what you're talking about, which is they're they're still there's still a lot more reaction and they're just living on their skills and they're not incorporating sounds like the level of planning. That's sort of the the upper, upper, upper echelon of college hitters like a Vaughn. And even he is he's a rarity. It's not like his type of profile comes around all the time. And even like top hitters like Torkelson. Torkelson is more tools oriented than approach oriented. Like you just, the, the type of approach that you see from him, you just don't really see, especially with a guy who, ha- who does have power and has the ability to, to play at a power position that just doesn't really come along in college very often at all. Yeah. And now he has a, a team of 
you know, of, of computer people to, yeah. to tell him about all the plans that are coming his way and all the pictures. So he's and, got he's got a, and he's got an MVP telling him what to do. Yeah. Could be, could be a lot worse. And it's probably really fun to play for that team right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The White Sox are going to be fun. I like, I like what's happening in the central too, between the twins and the White Sox. It's going to be, it should be a yeah. fun year. Yeah. So let's move on to college. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, so the, I've been, I've been honed in on the, on the lighter and the rocker stuff um, just because of the first pick for the pirates, but I definitely have been the guy that I just wanted to highlight, which is not a name that in, for me would have been anywhere near any of my radars. Um, And that mostly has to do with my radar being small and doesn't have much range when it comes to college yet, but I'll get there Um, is Wes Clark catcher for South Carolina. Yeah. He's got eight homers now, I think. Right. Something like that. Eight home runs in seven games. Yeah. This is not, I mean, like you would say eight home runs in seven games. It's not uncommon to see that in, in, um, in non-conference play. Mm-hmm. Um, still, it's a good sign. Like I'm, I'm not going to tell you not to, not to go for him based, just based off of that. But like, yeah, sure. I, I would be, I, would, I haven't seen him yet this year. I have not watched him play. So I, I can't speak to, whether or how he looks at the plate. I mean, obviously he looks good if he's hitting home runs once every four at bats or whatever it is. Or <laughs> yeah, I think it's even more than that. And he's yeah. got it's he he's demolishing the ball. But sort of to your point, like I was watching LSU tonight uh play against Southern University, and it was no disrespect to Southern University. I'm sure they're all listening, but um the level of pitching that was on display for Southern not only was it a combination of it's a, it's a, you know, it's a school that doesn't bring in as much talent as sort of those, those upper tier, you know, SEC teams, some of the ACC people, and even some of the Northeastern teams. Yeah. But he also didn't have his stuff. And then the people they were able to bring in, like the, the plan for Southern university was destroyed by the second batter of the game. And LSU, I think the, when I came down here or when I you know cooked dinner and stopped watching, I think they were winning like 15 to one. Yeah. So it was just, and you know, you see that in college basketball too. Like the, the first games, every, every team just plays patty cakes and just destroys people. Um, and if they lose, it's a really big problem, but it's just a lot of games you should win. Yeah. So you, you saw LSU, you probably saw Dylan Cruz. I did see Dylan Cruz. He's one guy I've been watching. He was a, you know, a highly touted prospect go, uh, going into the draft that obviously didn't, uh, didn't want anybody to draft him. He was one of those signability guys to the extent that I don't even know. I don't remember where he got drafted or if he got drafted, he might not have been in the five rounds, which would make sense. Anyway, he has been fantastic. You know, I think he's, I think he's hitting around 450. He's got like four homers and he's doing it. And one of the things about, I mean, like non-conference play, what freshmen do. Sure. I, I do will pay attention to that because even in non-conference play, the, the players that, uh, fre- that freshmen will have seen the year before as high school seniors are going to be better in, um, in weaker classes of college baseball. So whether or not they can, they can actually perform against that is, is a good sign. Somebody like Dylan Cruz is what he's doing is, you know, going to make him potentially a candidate to be the top to top pick in the draft um, in, in a couple of years. Um, so yeah. he's going to watch. I don't, I don't necessarily watch just guys who are going to be drafted this year. I mean, like there are a few that, I mean, right now I'm, I am focused on a lot of the guys that hopefully will be near the top that we've kind of thought like Matt McLean and in, uh, in um, UCLA, who's been okay. He's a, he's a middle infielder, shortstop second base. Nobody's quite sure where they're, they're going to put him. Everyone's got kind of an opinion on that, 
but um, you know, he's been fine. He hasn't been, he hasn't been tearing the cover off the ball, but there isn't anything to, to any, any reason to think that he won't be a top pick yet. There's some guys and there's some guys like uh, Judd Fabian, Florida, who it looks like maybe his contact issues are what the skeptics are kind of um, they're more leaning more toward that. He was, he's thought of as maybe being, you know, one of the better power bats in the country and could be the top bat college bat taken. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think he's got, I think he's got swing and miss issues and in college, if they are presented in college, that is a problem. You know what I mean? Like it's a problem in, in the, in the case that in the sense that it won't make you a top 10 pick, you know what I mean? It won't make you maybe a first round pick. It could, you could be at the end of the first round, but it's, it, nobody's going to take you in the, with a, with a top, top 10 pick. If you have swing and miss issues in college. Yeah. I feel like people are a lot more forgiving of that for, for prep bats, but if you've seen yeah. two, two, three years of, of college, you know, and you're, and you're going up against decent arms and you're in a solid, you know, solid division, and you're going up against arms that are also going to be drafted in major leagues. And, and those arms are, are questionable to make it all the way, but they're already getting you to swing and miss. It definitely is, you know, some red flags. Fabian Fabian is, is the guy that I'm worried that the pirates will just go off book and take, and I'll be very upset about. That's a possibility. I mean, here's the thing. I hope whoever your team is this year, I hope they pick a pitcher because this is the year of pitchers. This is not a year for, for hitters. Uh, it might be for prep hitters. There are some decent prep hitters that are that are around. But if you're taking a college hitter, I don't like your chances right now um, for this year for this year's draft, especially the, near the top. Um, that said, there's like you know there's uh, Jaden Hill for LSU who has looked has looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, health has been an issue a little bit with him. I mean there's some fluky things, uh, but he's looked great when he and he's pitched and he's had two starts. Gunnar Hog- Hogland is another one. These are all kind of SEC guys, but. He's looked really good, and he's also he's also thought to be you know a top fifteen arm, I mean, but I mean top fifteen pick, not just arm. Uh, and then there's uh, Alabama. Uh, he two years down the road will have is Connor Prelip, who has yet to give up a run in his in his college career um, from last year and now this year. He's had one start and he looked he looked just as good as he looked uh, last year. Those are a, a few of the guys that I've been looked at so far, along with you know obviously the the lighters and the and the rockers. Yes. The obvious ones that are, that are yeah. sort of fun. And they've been, it's been nice to have them pitch on the same day twice yeah. in a double it's header. Kinda, it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah. yeah. You really get, I mean, it just makes me a bag in the wind, but uh, when it comes to, you know, who walked a guy most recently and that's the guy that I don't want anymore is how, how it tends to play <laughs> off me right now. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they, that's been fun to have those on double headers. And it is sort of interesting as well when you think about this college year, and again, I'm coming, I'm coming at this, you know, sort of full board this year for the first time. So I am, I am a novice, a neophyte when it comes to the college game, but because of the five round draft and because of COVID and the pandemic, the, the talent pool at college is deeper yes. than it's, than it's been maybe ever because guys just didn't leave. They just didn't take that. I'll get drafted in the 15th round type of stuff. They just went back to school. It's also going to, it's also going to add some stuff down the road too. Cause we're going to have guys that are essentially you can have guys that are drafted later. I think in, in um, later drafts, not this year, but the years after, because there are going to be guys who are late bloomers that would have been late bloomers a year before. They're just going to be age wise, just a little bit older than you're, than we're used to. I think that's going to change things a little bit. Um, but I don't see why that's a bad thing either. I kind of like the idea of there being a more, more of a variety of outcomes for guys. Yeah. And from a fantasy perspective, anytime, 
you know, I, I would love the pandemic to be over, but if there's some way that I can gain an advantage on people because I am going deeper on, on a situation and I know, you know, sort of the landscape that I'm trying to, to, to attack, just like there's going to be people looking at prospects this year who are getting into it for the first time who are not going to know how to figure out the ages with regards to the levels that people are at and that year off and what to do with it and what type of players are going to be hurt most by that and what type one in and all that stuff. And we don't necessarily know that either, but, you know, keeping your ear to the, to the ground on, on all the little teeny things you can pick up on when it comes to that. And sounds like we're going to get a little bit more of that with, with some alternate training site stuff early in the year. Yeah. So anyone who's paying super close attention should be able to, to get some sort of advantage on their squad. I I've been able to, I haven't been able to, to I have it in my recorded on my, on my TV, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, Gunnar Hogland start, mm. but he, yeah, he's got, he's struck out 21 dudes in what 12 innings. Um, yeah. And, and definitely I've been seeing his, uh, his stuff on Twitter. So I got to really, really clue in on him. It does seem to be uh, the sec and the ACC. They're just, loaded this year yeah it is interesting i mean like in the past i mean ucla is supposed to be a very good team but they have not played like they're supposed to yet and um ucla is really the one team out west for the for the last number of years that has been able to challenge a lot of the you know the floridas and the and the vanderbilts and the lsus um i'm interested to see if uh, what happens with that it looks like oregon state might be a little a little frisky but i don't know yet um, I do like their program. I like, I like that they're pretty scrappy and the guys that come out of there generally, but uh, yeah. Um, another guy that I've been watching that hasn't, hasn't looked great. Um, but I think could just be completely related to, you know, everything that's gone on recently and him being young for his uh, group is Hunter Barco. He was a very highly thought of uh, prospect coming out of high school and he went to Florida and he just hasn't looked very good right now. And he's getting beat up by, by schools that, are not that great. So, but I want to keep watching him just because his stuff ha- was very good before. And, you know, I think that there's also going to be that sort of midway kick, maybe right around the time, right around the time that people really get started to get serious about the drafts. Like maybe at the, uh, you know, um, at the end of May, when guy, all of a sudden guys start popping up, like they figure it out again, like they figure out what they have lost in the last year and a half. Right. He could be one of those guys. The challenge for me this year is going to be to maintain focus on on some of those the, the future you know for the college world when Major League Baseball is back in earnest and we're getting minor league games as well. I'll be I'll be totally inundated. I'm going to have to buy more screens, which is fine. That nothing is fine. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the wallet screens. Just you know Fahrenheit 451 in my house. You know, uh, if you got 12 screens and you have one screen, it's still the same amount of screen time. That's true. Don't worry about that. That is true. I like that math. I like that math quite a bit, actually. I appreciate that. I'm going to take that yeah. right to the wife. You should definitely take that to her. Oh, yeah. Right after this. Definitely. Um, well, you know, I, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to, to chat about tonight um, okay. was, was sort of all this stuff. Did you have anything else uh, swirling around your baseball world that you wanted to highlight or get after? Um, I, there's, there are a couple of things that are going to be coming up on, on our site, uh, that, that I'm, that I really like to do, um, around this time. One of them is the, uh, draft stash challenge, which, uh, if, for those of you who play, this is a dynasty podcast, but for those of you who also play redraft leagues, I think this is very helpful. Um, it's where a bunch of us writers at pitcher list get together and we do a draft where we draft only rookies and the, 
And the idea is it's the whoever can get the most, who can draft the most players they get that accumulate the most games played for hitters or the most inning, innings pitched for pitchers wins. So the idea is there's something for everybody in this, in this, in this exercise for, for uh, guys who are in dynasty leagues, you get to familiarize yourself with where prospects are in the pecking order, pretty much on their, on their rosters. And for re guys in redraft leagues, if you're, if you are, say you're in the, in the 17th round of your draft and every, every decent second baseman's taken. And you're like, I just need somebody that is going to play. You want to have this, you want to have the, you want to have this draft open because, you know, like I think last year, Jake Cronenworth went in the final round and he like won it for, for, for whoever, for the guy who won it. And this is a, this is, it's a lot of fun. It's different. It's a different type of league. And uh, I really enjoy it. And I just want to plug that. I think that's going to be fun. We'll, I think we're going to do the drafts here in the next couple of weeks and then we'll, we'll post everything. We post the results and who wins and everything. So. Yeah, that sounds fun. I mean, that's, you're really just trying to figure out the, the way they, where they are in the pecking order is a great way to say that because it, it's, it's sort of like, you know, if you were looking last year at, you know, Diego Garcia or Clark Schmidt, and then at the final hour, you really learned like, well, they went with Davey and Clark Schmidt got a couple of relief innings and then went down with the twinge and, you know, Davey yeah. pitched whatever, 32 innings or whatever, whatever he did several starts. That's the kind of thing. Yeah, really. And, and that, again, we're, we're digging into those details. Those nitty gritty details can really can win you a league like that. Cronenworth would have been, I don't know, Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty much, I think, the most valuable person in that whole draft. And he was taken with like, he was in the middle of the, of the 10th round. I think we have 10, maybe we do 12 rounds, something like that. But yeah, um, it's a blast. Yeah, that sounds good. There's a lot of wacky leagues going around right now. It seems like there's actually, is that, is that technically a part of the wacky league? It's group? not. No, this was, uh, this was my own brainchild. I think I was in that exact situation that I talked about like two years ago. And I was like, why does nobody have a league? where I can just look at and see the confidence of other people and whether or not like Jesus Luzardo is going to throw 150 innings this year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, or what, or where Forrest Whiteley is on the, on the Houston, like did nobody think, am I the only one that thinks he's going to pitch this year? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's fun. Man. It's super fun. Those yeah. weird, those weird leagues are, are interesting. I, I was, I was messing around on, on Twitter with some guys about a league that just would be, preposterous because i will say you know you sort of you gave us your progression of well it's our baseball league started like this and we added a little bit of that a little bit of that and then we were just keep everyone and let's let's go whole hog yeah i had a progression like that although it sounds like yours happened with you know logic and reason and mine was just chaos uh while we were while we were getting going we just wanted more categories because you know fantasy baseball in the beginning was almost a way to you know, it was like a, an easy way to, to, to follow all of the stats and to yeah. be the person who knew all of the stats. And so, you know, we have a lot of categories and, and it's a 12 by 12 league right now when it comes to categories, but the progression from the beginning to what it is came with a year where we used box. Oh my gosh. Came with a year where we used wild pitches. It came yeah. with a, it came with a year where we had errors. Uh-huh. Luckily, we like stop. We, we never had like assists or putouts or outfield assists or anything like this when it comes to it. But there was just a time when it was like, I just want to know. And then, of course, someone loses a week because actually, I still remember it. It was Chan Ho Park. Chan Ho Park balked and he <laughs> lost me a week. And I, I was the commissioner and I was like, Yeah, we're throwing this out next year. This is garbage. 
See, if, if I was like in that league, I would, I would, I would have proposed that we that every year they that you pick one category hitter and pitcher that is random every year, just one, and then you get like that's when you get like uh, box plus uh, box plus wild pitches plus hit by pitches, right? Like you just combine them all into one some into some super crazy category. And then that doesn't matter the next year. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I, I can see the the spinning wheel of death now. You know, you, you get everyone on the league on a Zoom and you're spinning to see what nonsensical category that's not skill-based at all is going to determine your fate this year. Oh, that's fun. I got to get, I got to, I got to get my woodmaker dude to make me a, a spinning wheel of death like that. That sounds great. Yeah, you should get oh, somebody man. on that one. Yeah, seriously. It's got to be someone. <laughs> Oh man. Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's what we got dude. I want to thank you, uh, for, uh, for showing up tonight and making the time to be on the pod. I really appreciate it and always appreciate your insight when it comes to all these things, especially worlds that I'm just getting into, like, you know, drafting 14 year olds. You know, uh, I got a, p- a bunch of opinions about that. Also, uh, on that, I, uh, one of the lists I'll be coming out with, uh, is the top 50 players not signed to a major league contract. Ooh which is really good for open 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 world uh leagues because it's basically everyone who's not has not been drafted or signed to an international contract so you have there are guys there will be guys who, fi- who are 15 years old on that list and there will be guys who are still in college that are 20 so yeah. it's it's the it's the biggest beast that i that i do for the site because it involves a lot of just different types of research for different guys but uh it's one that i enjoy yeah, I mean that's turning over a lot of stones for sure, and it's it must be super interesting this year. I've already I've started, and it's so much more difficult this year because of the five round draft and the amount of guys that are sort of because, out there. Or? Because of that, there isn't as much information about college players, you know, because you didn't get as much just overall. I mean, like there's there are fewer taking the draft, there were fewer that actually played. There's an in group incoming group of of high school bats that you know weren't drafted that are now. Some of them are starting on teams, you know, like we actually didn't get as much. I feel like information about international players as we have in the years past because of COVID. And I think that travel limited, limited travel, limited that a lot too. Um, I think that to be honest, the change in the diplomatic status of Cuba uh, changed things quite a bit too, with the information we get from Cuban from about Cuban players. There's just a lot that kind of happened in the last year, year and a half that has made this so much more difficult. But yes, um, yeah. it will be out. <laughs> yes. Well, definitely check that out, especially if you're in open universe, because it will give you a leg up. That is for sure. Uh, this man goes very deep on the uh, on the possibilities in the entire baseball world. Sounds like globally. So keep with uh, does, does that have a, a title every year that it comes out that's the same or that series that you do? Uh, it's called the uh, I think it is called the there is a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of it's hard to, to, to tell what exactly that person is. I think I just say, uh, I think it's just called the top 50 players or top 50 prospects, not signed to a MLB contract. I don't, I think I went through like five different drafts of a, of a title and nobody could understand exactly what it was. So like, so does this, does this mean guys who are going to be drafted? I was like, well, eventually. Yeah. But they'll also be signed. And like, so what, what does it mean? Like, well, these are just guys that don't have contracts. <laughs> I need to be simple here so yes. no one is confused. Yeah, no, that's you're, you're trying to thread a very interesting needle there, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Well, um, keep your eye on PitcherList for all those things and keep listening to the pod. 
And if you can hit us with that five-star rating on Apple, it'll help us potentially get a better seating in next year's baseball pods bracket that is going down right now. We were bounced in the play-in game because pitcherless just erupted right at the 11th hour with 20 podcasts for, for at baseball pods to handle. So he threw us all into one bracket and was like, well, some of you will survive and some of you will not in the least bit. So that will help us down the road. But, uh, but yeah, uh, again, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. I had a blast. Yeah, me too.